Hello there, John, and uh, welcome to Elite Heat, the only show that you need on Mondays there, John. AEW is winning in the writings every week, Maggle. There's another one for the good guys, Maggle. As JBL so accurately said, thank you for that, JBL. Uh, AEW, the good guys, they popped a million rating. Like, it's crazy. I don't even know what to say. I'm speechless. I didn't think it was going to happen. Honestly, I thought, you know, AEW was going to ride around like 800,000, 700,000 viewers, but yeah, we got that to talk about, the AEW ratings, uh, the NXT ratings, I guess we're going to talk about that too. We got a lot of stuff to talk yeah. about, you know, the possibility of a WWE draft or a superstar shakeup, if you will. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, so where do you want to start? Oh, of um, course, we got I mean, Black. We go ahead. No, before we get into like the content of this, just want to say, essentially, the, the main premise of this show it's, it's we're episode seventeen. It's it's a bit of fun just talking about general post mania aftermath type stuff because we did the mania super show last week. We did the the best of mania, worst of mania. We've done the WrestleMania like review type shows and previews. Now we're doing a lot of kind of after mania stuff. So this week we're doing that. Next week's gonna be a wrestler bio, which will be a bit of fun. So with that being said, I think the best place to start this off is the you know the thing that people are talking about most. NXT and AEW, Kevin. Now, NXT and AEW this past week had their first shows, respectively, on their own nights. NXT on Tuesday, AEW Dynamite on uh, Wednesday nights. We had some interesting ratings. So, I'll throw it back to you, Kevin. Walk me through the viewership for both shows. Well, NXT, they came in on Tuesday night with an 805,000 rating, which isn't bad. 805,000 people watched NXT. It's pr- you know, it's pretty solid. That's well, slightly above average for them. Like, their average is, what, like, 600,000, 650? So, yeah. not bad. You know, a lot of people are probably hoping that they would do more, but I think, really, the the pushback there when it comes to NXT is, like, there's no real star power on NXT. <coughs> it's a real niche brand. It's a niche product. There's nothing, really, that people need to see, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, the, the whole thing, I've talked about this at length at this point nxt to describe it simply like on usa network what nxt is it's 70s nwa style wrestling with a bit better production and a bit better of a budget where most of the wrestlers involved are about five foot seven that's literally nxt so they get this rating of eight hundred five thousand viewers i think it's a it's a good reasonable first week being unopposed type rating for them i think I mean, what was the main event of the show again? What an eight-person mixed tag. Yeah, the the big sto- the big hook and storyline for the show was Indy Hartwell <laughs> being in love with Dexter Loomis. So I guess when that's the hook and that's the main storyline the show is being built around, eight hundred five thousand viewers is not terrible when you put that in, in context. I would say because I mean you had a Karrion Cross promo at the beginning, but that was like the first two minutes of the show. Yeah, the show is literally built around. Indy Hartwell, The Way, and, you know, Dexter Loomis and all the other guys that he was teaming with. Yeah, so when you have that as the main event, I just think generally you're not really going to have, like, several million people watching that. You know, having Dexter Loomis carrying off my favorite wrestler, Indy Hartwell, as Bronson Reed's, like, roaring in the ring. Like, (laughs) that kind of of stuff is, like, it's okay content, Kevin. It really is, but is it content that's going to grasp a million-plus no, like I saw people on Twitter being like, oh, well, NXT can't even crack a million. I'm just like, just forget the million with NXT. NXT and a million shouldn't even be like in the same sentence. What NXT should be focusing on is literally this, keeping a consistent 800 plus thousand. 
Because for the NXT product we get week to week, 800 plus thousand is a genuinely really good number, considering how niche the product is. Do, do you feel the same? Absolutely. I 100% agree. Like, when you look at AEW, AEW has large in life characters. They have Kenny Omega, they have Chris Jericho, John Moxley, Cody, Jim Ross is on commentary. Like, they have these guys that, like, people are going to go out of their way to watch. Like, people are going to see a clip of the Young Bucks on Instagram with their Dior Jordans, and they're going to be like, oh, okay, I need to go check out Dynamite. What, what, what does NXT have that makes you go, oh, I need to check this out? You know, not, nothing really. Like, there's not, not going to be a clip of Finn Balor kicking Pete Dunne in the forehead six times or kicking him in the chest. Like, that's, that's not going to go viral on Instagram if you, and make people want to tune in, you know? But, but, but don't you want to watch MSK having a great match with Killian Dane and Drake Maverick? Isn't that, isn't that going to go viral on Instagram, get millions of retweets, shares? Like, but, but, but I think, Kevin, I think you're being a bit harsh on NXT, Kevin. Oh, yes, totally. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate NXT. You know, I don't hate NXT. I, lo- I like NXT. I, I don't, you know, I'm not bashing it or anything. It just, I mean, yeah. it is what it is. It's just Carrie Cross is their only star. But when you when you don't have another star for him to to run with, you know, it it, it is what it is at that point. Like you put Carrie Cross and Finn Balor next to each other, and people are just not going to go out of their way to watch that. You know, it's just it, the casual fan. Obviously, NXT's fan base is going to watch that forever and ever. But the casual fan is just not going to go out of their way for it. Well, remember at TakeOver when they did the... Obviously, they had Balor vs. Cross at TakeOver. And before the match, they did that, like, two-minute-long face-off. And you've got Karrion Cross wearing this, like, tribal war gear. And he's, like, this six-foot... I mean, they bill him as 6'4", I believe. So he's probably, like, 6'3"-ish. So, like, he's, he's towering over Finn Balor, who's maybe about 5'8". And he's, he's just... It's, like... Why is... It, it, to give this, like, a school analogy, it looks like a 12th grader is staring down an 8th grader. That's what it looks like. It, it just, it, it doesn't look like something which you're going to go, oh my god, yes. And that's the same with pretty much everyone carrying cross, you know, will be facing. Like, you look at the NXT brand, where are carrying cross's challenges coming from? Because inevitably, they're going to do O'Reilly versus Cross for the title. Are they going to have Kyle O'Reilly defeat carrying cross? Are you, are you, Triple H, are you that dumb? Are you going to do that? Are you going to have Kyle O'Reilly, the guy who his gimmick is that he has a mullet and he's going to be beating carrying cross? This guy who looks like he could beat up Roman Reigns. Like, I don't know. So that, that's like the main thing about NXT. They draw 805,000 viewers. I think going forward, I mean, I'll throw this to you, Kevin. Going forward, what numbers do you think NXT will be drawing? Just generally speaking for the next like month. I think, yeah. think 800,000 is probably their peak. Unless they bring like Demon Finn Balor back, they could probably hit, you know, 900,000, 950 million maybe. But I don't really see them going above 800. I, I could even see them slipping down to like 700, oh, yeah. 750. Oh, yeah. it's, you know, especially yeah, like, like the- on a Tuesday night, you have a lot going on on Tuesday night, and NXT could easily get lost in the shuffle if it's not as compelling. Well, like this is the NXT, which I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, t- I'll walk you, I'll walk you back to uh, January and February when NXT drew 550,000 viewers. They drew 600, I think 610,000 on a show which had which had Edge on it. So, with that being considered, I look at NXT, and I think, okay, this is a, a premiere, you know, being, you know, exclusively on Tuesday nights without AEW competing against them. I think, realistically, for them, 700 to about 740. That's where I think they're going to stay. I think there's probably about 50-ish thousand who just watched the Tuesday episode because it's NXT by itself for the first time on Tuesdays. Let's really see what they do. 
I think a number of those viewers will be turned off. That's what I think, at least. So going forward, 700 to 740, I think, is where they're going to stay. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, yeah. I don't see a lot of people that watched Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis making googly eyes at each other, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to come back next week to see what happens next. Like, I just don't think that that's a feasible uh, thought to have. It's just, you know, it's very niche. They didn't really change. They kind of just, they're going business as usual with NXT. We didn't really see a balls-to-the-wall NXT that I think probably would have happened had the move to Tuesday Nights happened maybe 10 months ago, like back when in the era when they're doing Keith Lee versus Adam Cole simply to beat Dynamite for one week. Like, if we're back in that era, we probably would have seen, like, Adam Cole versus Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross in a triple threat match for the NXT title. Uh, we would have saw Johnny Gargano versus Kushida or something for the North American title. Like, we, they, WWE would have put a stacked card on. But I think they've moved on from that. And I think NXT is just going to continue with business as usual and just keep working on the storylines and building the characters that they have been building for the last few months. Yeah, I think that's fair. Generally speaking, I just think NXT, they're just going to go about their merry way. I think Triple H at this point, based on the booking we saw in 2020, I mean, I would say he proved he just doesn't really care, but at the same time, it's the same guy who, as you say, booked Cole versus Keith Lee on, like, one, like two weeks' notice just to beat Fighter Fest in the ratings for, like, one week, you know? So, I, I don't know. We'll, I mean, we'll see going forward. Like, you look at the NXT roster, and I, I'm really struggling to see, besides Cross, what there is going to really jump out at you. Like, what, what as far as what NXT is doing, is going to make you go... Damn, I need to see that. You know, because Cross, he, he's that. Is Kyle O'Reilly's pursuit of the NXT title going to do that? Well, really, I mean, really the only card that, that WWE has in their deck is like bringing a guy like Big E, for example, to as a surprise appearance in NXT and have him confront Karrion Cross. Like, that's really the only card left they have to play when it comes to like popping interest and popping a big rating, in my, from, my, from, uh, from my point of view. Yeah, I mean, you use Big E. I don't think that's the best example. I think a better example is someone like Cesaro. I think that's a good one. Because, like, like, you look at someone like him, he just won at WrestleMania. If you have Karrion Cross next week beating some, beating up some loser, and then Cesaro's music hits, and we get this, like, big Cesaro and Cross face-off, I think that could do pretty good. Because, yeah. I mean, it's more realistic having Cesaro against Cross in NXT for the NXT title than having Cesaro confronting the tribal god on SmackDown. You know, I think that's probably more believable and people get behind that more. So, something like that, Cesaro... Maybe a Kevin Owens, that that type of guy. I think having them go to NXT, maybe an AJ Styles, but he's the Raw Tag Champion at the moment, so he can't really do that. So just bring those type of well, guys. Well, they, they did. They did. They had um, they did that this week. They had Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley make an appearance with their belts. I, f- I almost forgot about that. Hmm. But I, I don't know. It's like, I mean, they, they, didn't, really like a, they didn't do a anything. Song. They just kind of hugged yeah. each other and cried. And with, with Raquel Gonzalez, all three of them were just hugging and like, taking a bow for women's wrestling but it's still a pretty big deal you know bianca belair showing up at, right after she won the world title just showing up on nxt randomly true i mean it's like that was cool um but yeah so that's nxt they drew 805 now i think we move on to the the much more notable talking point rating aw dynamite for uh, april 14th 2021 they draw 1.219 million viewers so um yeah so they got a 0.44 in the 18 to 49 kevin wow i mean did you did you see this coming no i didn't and i i think what this tells me i think what it tells me is like something about the fan base of both products 
I think more NXT fans that would that were watching NXT on a regular basis every single week for the past year and some months, I think they were more willing to watch AEW than maybe AEW fans were willing to watch NXT on Tuesday, if that makes any sense. So that could be a part of it. It could be the fact that, you know, Mike Tyson promoted his appearance on AEW. It could be Chris Jericho versus one half of FTR. Who knows? Who knows what drew this rating? But I, I don't know. I did not see it coming. I really didn't. I thought they were going to hit maybe 900,000, 850. I didn't see 1.2 million coming. Like That's a pretty big number for a, a, for a second grade wrestling company. And it is it just that is what they are. They're not WWE. They're not the Disney or wrestling pal. They're a, a second tier company. That's a pretty big number to draw. I mean, oh hell yeah! You know, you're going up against like the NBA on ESPN. I'm sure there's uh, what the Mass Singer. Like there's other stuff going on too, and they did a pretty big number. It's impressive. Definitely, and like I, I think one of the things with uh this rating, like you look at one point two one nine million. Genuinely speaking. 1.219 is going to be a rating Raw gets in the third hour in a show in December this year. Like, no doubt about it. There's going to be a story in this December. Oh, my God. Raw draws lowest ever third hour rating as they get 1.21 million viewers for, I don't know, Matt Riddle versus The Miz in the main event of Raw, you know? Like, th- that's the kind of stuff we'll be seeing in December, like October, November, December this year. So when you put it like that, AW Dynamite this week in April gets a rating that's going to be competing with Raw in uh, you know, a few months down the line. Like, that's really good. And I think one of the things with AEW, you mentioned the kind of like the, the stars and the names and all that kind of stuff that they have. I think that's a big one as well because we just talked about NXT and like what they have. They have Karrion Cross, and they have a bunch of guys from ROH and they have a, a good women's division, I guess. And then you look at NXT, um, AEW... And you've got, as you said, Chris Jericho. You had Sting showing up in the main event. Matt Hardy. You have Mike Tyson, a guy who is a household name worldwide. As far as the wrestling capacity, the Young Bucks versus Ray Phoenix and Park. A big, oh my God, that's, that's a dream match type tag match to open the show. You've got all this stuff. You've got two women's matches. And historically, the AEW, the women's matches, as dead as the division's been, the women's stuff draws. So just right across the board, Christian Cage in action. Like, right across the board, the card was structured well. I thought what they did throughout the night, I mean, the show flowed pretty well. Yes, the Young Bucks promo to open the show wasn't the best. Yes, it wasn't a perfect show. But just across the board, I thought they did a pretty good job, Kevin. Absolutely. And, you you know, that's another thing, too, is there was no Kenny Omega. There was no Cody. There was no John Moxley on this episode of Dynamite. So who knows what the ceiling is like when those guys are on. And I'm sure they will be next week. So we'll see, you know. That'd be kind of that'd be something, right? If they have like Kenny Omega on like all over the show, they have three Kenny Omega segments and this show does under a million. Like that would be uh, Yeah. That would be crazy. Well, like I can't wait to see what they do next week because next week they're doing Sheeta versus Tay Conti for the women's title in the main event. Hmm. Which I'm I'm interested by that because considering it's the women's title and considering like, a lot of people are a big fan of Tay Conti. Like, I reckon that's going to do... Like, that match... I don't know about the rest of the show. Because the rest of the show is a bunch of, like... Okay to good matches, which everyone's saying are stacked. Like, you know, we're used to, Kevin. But, like, the main event... I, I think that, that that main event is probably going to do... I mean, if the whole show draws, let's say, a million... The main event's doing, like, 1.15 or 1.2, you know? Like, that's the main event that people are going to tune into. Because it's Sheeta, it's 
you know, Tay Conti, women's title, probably after the match, Thunder Rosa or Britt Baker are going to get involved. There's going to be something go down there. So I think that's going to be a big main event, which is going to draw a really good number. The rest of the show is probably going to do all right. But really, it's interesting to see where they go from here. I think, Kevin, going forward, where do you think AW will settle? Like, was 1.219 a bit of an aberration, a bit of a everything comes together perfectly and they're going to go back to 950,000? What do you think they're going to settle at, like, 1 to 1.1 million? Like, what do you think? I think, like I said earlier, it could have been just NXT NXT <coughs> watchers sampling AEW, seeing what AEW is like. So we'll see if that number stays steady or if it goes down. Um, I think if you're doing 1.2 million, though, realistically, and you're doing that without Kenny Omega, Moxley, uh, just Jericho in, like, a really mid-segment, mid-match, like, it wasn't the best of Jericho that we've ever seen. I think they could easily, like, break 1.5. Like, imagine back in, like, what, late 2019 when you have these Cody and Jericho segments where they're cutting these really good promos on each other. Imagine you're doing that with no competition. Like, what number AEW could have drawn? You know, so I I think the ceiling is high, or higher, I should say, for AEW than NXT's ceiling. But, I mean, realistically, they're probably going to live around that 900,000 to, like, 1.1 million for the time being. I don't really see them, like, going too high like i don't see them like stagnating out at 1.4 million like i just can't see AEW drawing the same numbers as raw it's just it's it's really just unfathomable to think about to even like oh yeah consider that being a possibility so i want to say for now yeah i'd say like the 900,000 to 1.1 million range seems about right and then you talk about like like Oh, sorry, sorry, cut you off really quick. I just want to throw into this, which may impact your point. I think the Blonde and Guts show, which is May fifth, I believe, that one. If this show draws one point two, I think that that show is drawing one point three, maybe more. Like they're building it up like this big, you know, all-conquering clash between the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle. You've got the Blonde and Guts stipulation, and that's going to be like the whole second hour of the show. So I think in that regard, if you've got Mike Tyson involved actively promoting this Blood and Guts match on dynamite and if you preload that with maybe a moxley segment maybe an omega match maybe a i don't know a young bucks match maybe a darby allen tnt title match like i reckon that show it could well do ballpark 1.3 to 1.4 million realistically you know absolutely which is nuts so yeah absolutely and, and i think a, a few weeks back uh going back to next talking about next week's dynamite a few weeks back the women proved that they can main event with thunder rose and Britt baker they had a really highly rated segment highly rated match they killed it uh, now you've got Tay Conti and Sheeta main eventing. I think AEW has to, to change the title. They have to put the belt on Tay Conti. Like I, I just I can't see them giving the women this main event spot and just having Sheeta win again. You know Sheeta's been champion for what like ten months and too long. Too like long. we love yeah. Tay Conti. You know strictly for her in ring ability. Tay Conti, mm. we are fans of of her at the Elite Heat podcast. Her in-ring ability, like, did you see that drop kick that Takati delivered in a match on on a on uh, AEW Dark like two weeks ago? It was so crisp. Oh, Wouldn't you agree? OMG, bro. OMG, bro. So crisp. So so crunchy. Just a, a delicious drop kick. Yes, her her drop kicks strictly in-ring ability. We love Takati. Um, I think she could be a legitimate draw for the women's division in AEW, and I think it would be the best thing to do to put their best foot forward when you've got a lot of people watching. You know, presumably, because you have you know, powerhouse Hobbs is gonna de- he's gonna devour Christian Cage for majority of the match that they have. Like they have a pretty good card for next week. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with that main event. Though I'm definitely intrigued in that main event. Well, they're doing they're doing main events now, which it's it's this is kind of like the old AW thing, which I talked about in my video. They're doing main events, which have you like more, more genuinely intrigued. Like us is kind of like 
more casual AW fans who watch it when it's good, you know, quote unquote. These matches they're doing at the moment, like the AW World Tag Title match from this past week, even you know, literally um, Matt Hardy versus Darby Allen's the TNT Title Force can anywhere. Now this women's title match, like I, I think you're pretty much the same as you just said. Like I'm genuinely like pretty damn intrigued by that. I want to see Tay Conti win the women's title. I want to see if they have Thunder Rosa or Britt Baker confront her afterwards or like attack someone. Like I want to see what they do. So I'm gonna be tuning in to see that, yeah. which is a really good thing for AW. Like in months past. When they'd be main eventing shows with these random, like, oh, here's a random tag team match with Omega and, I don't know, Doc Gallows versus Moxley and Matt Jackson. It's just like, I, I don't care. But, like, these matches now are, like, they're, they're title match main events, which are progressing stories and divisions, which are actually kind of more interesting now. Like, AEW generally across the board is getting more things right as NXT's move to Tuesdays. You love to see it. Absolutely. Absolutely, mm. yeah. I think a, a Tay Conti and Thunder Rosa rivalry for the women's title, like that could, money. yeah, money. that's money. That could money. bring AEW's women's division to heights that it hasn't been yet. You have two women that are very appealing for their in-ring ability on the internet, and they're also they can speak English. They're you know they're charismatic individuals. I, I would say when you look at AEW's women's division. I would say Tay Conti and Thunder Rosa are probably the two most charismatic, or they're at, at the very top of the list. So that yeah. would benefit them in the long run. Versus Hikaru Shida, as great as she is, what what has she done? What can you tell me about her title reign? Like, is there anything she that has, sticks she out? Like three matches. She had like three matches with Nyla Rose or something. Right. That's legit. All I can tell you. You know, that's like a ten month reign. Like, bro. Exactly. But yeah. you look at it like a girl like Thunder Rosa. I can tell you when she debuted. For AEW, you could talk about the match she had with Britt Baker uh, on Dynamite a few weeks back. Like, there's she's had memorable moments, and I don't know. It's just it seems like a, a step in the right direction. No, what do you think about while we're talking about AEW? I want to get your thoughts. What do you think about the way Christian Cage has been being used? No, uh, look, I'll answer that in a moment, really quickly, just on Thunder Rosa before we move on from like the women's stuff. I'll never forget. I was watching Revolution this past, you know. How, how, a month ago, I think, like you know, six weeks ago, I'm watching Revolution. They do the women's match, which was probably what Shade of Us Rose, Rose, or something like that. They're doing the women's match, and then after the match, they do that like you know, corny like kind of brawl where like all the women are getting involved. Like you, it's just they're going through the motions. You don't really care when you're watching it. And then Thunder Rose is like music hits. She rushes out wearing like the bright blue attire. She's like screaming. She's got all the energy. She's up and about, making the most of her TV time. Really trying to compel you as a viewer I, I, I remember watching that thinking well I, I care about her more than any of them just because of how much she cares like she, she's not just going through the motions she's trying to make this as good as it can possibly be and that, that stuck with me so now whenever I see Thunder Rosa I'm a fan I want to see her succeed do well beat Tay Conti for the title if Tay Conti wins beat Britt Baker you know like stuff like that's really good but moving on to the Christian Cage question I think I mean they're booking him pretty well I think the whole workhorse gimmick it's a bit of a tricky one, considering if this is 2005 and he's like the only guy who wants to be a workhorse, it's one thing. But considering now everyone nowadays wrestles like that workhorse style, you know, I think that kind of thing's a bit like, eh, it, it is what it is, I guess. But you now, generally speaking, I think him against Team Taz, I think it's cool. You're giving him something to do. Clearly, he's not going to be in the world title picture just yet, even though he had the the segment they made like a month ago. I don't really know exactly what they're doing, to be honest, but I think they're doing okay with him. What do you think? Uh, I'll ask you a follow-up question. Would you say, based on the way he was brought in, 
with the with the amount of hype and would you say it was kind of a hindrance for his overall run? Like people are gonna judge him just based on the fact of like you know he was promoted as this big deal that's gonna change the landscape in AEW. Yeah, do you think that's gonna hinder him or hurt him in, or or help him in the long run? What, what do you think? It'll hinder him a little bit. I think the way they brought him in with the whole oh you know Paul White going. Oh, I have the inside scoop. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Shivani. We're having a Hall of Fame-worthy talent. And then everyone's like, Oh my God, it's CM Punk, guys. Oh my God. And then Christian Cage just kind of walks out, stands there, and leaves at Revolution. Is that going to be a bit of a hindrance? I mean, a little bit. I think generally he'll be fine in the long run. I think for the, the time being, it's a bit like, Oh yeah, this is the guy who we thought, we thought was going to be like Brock Lesnar or CM Punk, and it was Christian. It's Christian. Like, I don't know. But I, I think long-term, he'll be all right. Like, I think that AEW, Christian, Miro, there's a bunch of these guys who are in, like, a similar boat as far as could be world champions, but they're just kind of biding their time waiting, you know? Is right. that fair? Right, and, and like, everybody can't be world champion, exactly. And I, I think we could... I'll answer your question by segueing into another topic as well because we're going to talk about the releases, Samoa Joe got released from WWE. He's amongst the headliners of today's Dark Wednesday. Um, and I think, you know, I could easily see this being a thing where AEW brings in Samoa Joe and they instantly put him in a rivalry with Christian. I, I don't know why, but I can just foresee this happening. And yep. I look at that as a step back if they were to do something like that. You know, just because they have to do something with Christian, they can't just have him come out and wrestle. Well, why so? Why so? Why do you why do you use the word step back? Elaborate, please. You well, know? because people are going to look at it and they're going to be like, "Oh, this is TNA again." We've already seen Christian versus Samoa Joe back in 2006 and TNA. Like, it, it just shows that these guys weren't good enough to be main eventers in WWE, but here they are running rampant because some people know who they are on AEW. So AEW is trying to you know capitalize on their their stardom. Where and they're gonna say, oh, Samoa should be building up young guys. He should be facing Kenny Omega for the title, and here he is facing Christian again. And but it's like they're kind of putting themselves in a corner with Christian because they have to do something with him, but they don't want to put him in there with Kenny because then you know it's gonna be the same thing. Oh, another WWE guy taking spotlight, whatever. So they're just having him wrestle these great matches every single week on Dynamite, and I I, I don't know why, but I could just see it with, with Samoa Joe and Christian, and I, I don't know. I don't think it's a great thing for AEW. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think that, that, that is fair. I, I like Christian in general. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned a moment ago, but he's just, an, he's just one of these guys who he has name power to the extent of you can have him facing Omega for the title. But at the same time, you can't have, as you say, all these guys facing Kenny for the world title at once. Like, you can easily do Christian versus Omega. You can easily do Miro versus Omega. You can do Cody versus Omega. You can you can do all these matches. But at the end of the day, it's like there's only one Omega. There's only one world championship. In the meantime, what are you going to do to fill in you know, these months where Omega's the champion before Hangman Page beats him, I hope? Like, like what are you going to do? So for Christian, it's going to be matches against guys like, I guess in this case, Will Hobbs. It's going to be potentially Samoa Joe if he signs there. It's going to be these work rate matches against like Alex Reynolds, that type of thing. You know, it's going to be, oh my God, a big main event, Christian versus Anthony Agogo. Like, that's going to be the type of stuff they're going to do with Christian for the next, like, three to six months. And I guess that's just their way of killing time. Will that, will that kill Christian's momentum? Maybe. But was Christian's momentum really that great to begin with because of how they brought him in? Not really. So, 
those are my thoughts on Christian. I think transitioning into the releases, as you mentioned, Samoa Joe, he was the big one. A lot of people were crying and complaining about Samoa Joe being wasted in WWE. I guess I'll throw the question to you, Kevin. Was Samoa Joe wasted by a WWI? Uh, man, that ter- like it depends. It depends what you define the term "wasted" as. If you're defining the term "wasted" as a guy who wrestled a, a bunch of main event matches, I mean, he headlined pay per views with Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, and if you're looking at that, you're looking at a guy that made a ton of money in his run, a guy that was always positioned as an upper mid carder to a main eventer. I, I would say no. I would say no. He's not wasted. But if you're looking at it and you're going, well, he could have been WWE champion because I think he's good enough to be WWE champion, therefore he's wasted, then mm. I guess, you know, that's one perspective to look at it. Like, he could have been WWE champion, realistically. But when you really think about it, you look at who's been WWE champion the last, like, I don't know, like 10 to 15 years. Would Samoa Joe fit that build? Like, I mean, the only other guy I can compare him to is, like, a Kevin Owens. And what did yes. Kevin Owens do is he was when he was champion? He was in a mid-card feud with Jericho while he was holding the, the the top belt. So what would they have done with Samoa Joe as champion? You know, like I don't. What, what do you think when it comes to Samoa Joe? Do you think he was wasted? Um, ugh, I mean, you present the case there. I'm very similar to you in the sense of like how I view the term wasted in wrestling. Because people like I'll use the example of Shayna Baszler at the moment. Shayna Baszler was walked into WrestleMania as the women's tag champion, wins a WrestleMania match, like submits Natalia, I believe, wins at WrestleMania. Presumably, she's getting paid handsomely, well into the six figures, living a, a dream lifestyle in WWE, where she shows up, wrestles a match, gets you know on TV in front of two million odd people and millions of viewers on YouTube, and gets a name out there. And if, if People want to tell me and try and pass off to people on Twitter that that with Shayna Baszler is being wasted, then you need to really reassess what that word means. You need to actually look up what the word wasted actually means. I think it's a it's a big issue as far as like Samoa Joe, he's a, he's a great example. You mentioned it there. The guy would have been paid, I mean, over the course of his WWE run from 2015 through beginning of 2021, he would have been paid somewhere well over a million dollars in that time, probably upwards of two, maybe a bit over $2 million. So you're looking at a guy who wrestles in NXT from 2015 through 2016. He's NXT champion there. He has some great matches with Balor and Nakamura. He comes into WWE, has a main event marquee storyline through the summer with Brock Lesnar, the Brock Lesnar. Joe has a a big storyline with Brock. He nearly wins the title at Great Balls of Fire, then they have this amazing match at SummerSlam. Samoa Joe's in the SummerSlam main event for the Universal Championship. And then Samoa Joe the next year is having a four-pay-per-view program with AJ Styles, the WWE title. And then he's having this feud with like Braun Strowman and he's all around the Raw main event scene for like a year. And then he's doing commentary. Like, do I class that as wasted? Do I class a guy who looks like a couch potato coming into the company and having such a successful run with main event runs, commentary, getting paid two-plus million dollars, living a dream career. Do I view that as wasted? No. I just don't. Because oh, because he didn't beat Brock Lesnar. Should he have beaten Brock Lesnar? Maybe. There's a case there. But do I feel like he should have? No. Like, that's my two cents, Kevin. Just do it that what you will, I guess. I don't know. Absolutely. Like, I'll add this. I'll say Samoa <laughs> Joe, 
he's had a ton of memorable moments. Like one that sticks out to me is is the feud with AJ Styles and where he's at AJ's house basically implying that he's sleeping with AJ's wife and you know he's like, "Oh, Wendy, you know the truth, Wendy." Like like I look at some of the iconic moments that he's had. He put Brock Lesnar to sleep. His debut on the main roster, he he he's attacking Seth Rollins as Seth Rollins is about to wrestle Triple H at WrestleMania on Raw. It's like he's done a bunch of things. Like when I think of the term wasted in wrestling, I look at a guy like Aleister Black, who hasn't been on TV in, in a year, and he's literally just sitting and catering. And this guy is talented enough to, at, at minimum, he's a talented guy enough to be a multiple-time Intercontinental Champion, multiple-time Tag yeah. Team Champion, at minimum. And he's literally just sitting and catering because his wife is collecting checks from Twitch and, and OnlyFans no, as, as a punishment. That's what, that's what I look at and I say, yes, okay, that's wasted. You know, You look at some of the other guys that were released, the Iconics, Chelsea Green, Bo Dallas, okay, you know, Chelsea Green, is she wasted? Like, people are throwing that out there. How is Chelsea, how was Chelsea Green wasted? She got injured. It's not like, what, what, there's nothing you could do about that, you know? And it's not like she came in with all this talent, this resume, this repertoire, where it was like, like, you look at a guy like AJ Styles, he comes in with expectations. Oh, okay, this guy's coming from TNA, Japan, he's a big deal. You look at Chelsea Green, she's coming in. I believe she was the lady that had the crazy wedding in TNA, if I, rem- if I remember correctly. She was like this crazy zombie bride. And that's like what we're saying is wasted, you know? I, it's just, it's the terminology is very vague. Oh, I would say extremely misused. Uh, I mean, I oh, think yeah. that's fair. Like, it's just oh, yeah. so overly used. Chelsea Green, wasted, really? What, what do you have to say about that one, the, the Chelsea well, Green Well, like one. Chelsea Green... She was just the victim of bad luck. There's no other way of putting it. Like it, everything. The two times, definitely one, maybe two times, she got like a main roster opportunity. She got injured, which I mean, that just sucks. That that that's just life being unlucky. That's all that is. That's not Vince McMahon being horrible and wasting her. Vince isn't going to make someone who's legitimately injured be the top star of his women's division, beating Becky Lynch, beating Ronda Rousey. Like that's no, like it just. It's the terminology in the community, like in the wasted, buried, like these type of they deserve better, like like these type of terms, which have been so watered down to a point where I, I genuinely don't think people understand what they mean. People just like to use them because they they want to fit in. Like buried, especially. I'm sure we'll do a whole video ranting about that on one of our channels or maybe the late hate channel. That's been grossly misused. But generally speaking, with Chelsea Green, as I just said. Victim of bad luck, and that's really about it. And then when I look at the other releases, the Iconics, I mean... Now that that I must know. have been a tough one for you, the Iconics for getting released. I know you were you woke up and you you uh, you almost shed a tear over that one. You were very sad, I assume, right? Oh, <laughs> I woke up, saw that Peyton Royce... No, yes, my, Peyton my, Royce... My dog is Billy doing a run, and I'll be right back. Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, these wrestling superstars from Australia had been released. And as you guys know, everyone who's in the chat right now, everyone's listening to this, I'm a proud, proud Australian human being. I love Australian wrestling. So to see Billy Kay and Peyton Royce released that way, look, could they have done more with both of them? I mean, yeah. Was I a fan of the Iconics when they were a tag team? No. Do I go around Australian supermarkets doing the Iconics pose because I just can? No. But the, the fact of the matter is, they were both good talents. Were they wasted by Vince McMahon? I mean, could you have made Peyton Royce a, a women's champion like once? I mean, 
you could have, would that have been any good? Would that have really jumped ratings? Would that have made ratings go from where they were to, you know, push them forward? I don't think so. I don't think Peyton Royce is a big enough of a, like a, a draw to really do that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Peyton Royce goes AEW and Peyton Royce is involved in an AEW women's match that draws 2 million viewers. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay as singles talents, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm a fan of them because they're Australian. But really, outside of Billy Kay's resume gimmick for like a couple of months, which was a, a bit funny in the SmackDown mid-card for the women's division, outside that, I, I just don't really see it. So that's the Iconics. Kevin, I'll throw to you in a moment with your thoughts on the Iconics. But just to run over these other releases, Bo Dallas. Um, okay, Bo Dallas got released. Um, for all the people saying that Bo Dallas is the fiend, no. <laughs> Oh, well, shut up. Yeah, the fake um, fiend, yeah, fake fiend versus I'll, I'll the real it, fiend. I'll throw back to your, I'll throw back to your opinion real quick. I just did a, a monologue about the iconics, and how much they mean to me because I'm Australian. Walk me through Billy Kay and Payne Royce. Were, were they wasted, Kevin? Did Vince McMahon screw up there? Like, walk me through that one. Yes, Payton Royce was wasted because she cut a phenomenal promo on what was it, Raw Talk. So yeah, she deserves to be Raw Women's Champion because she said, "I deserve it," in an Australian accent. So therefore. She is wasted, pal. But, like, like seriously, you look at the Iconics. I would say they overachieved. I think that's pretty fair to say. Like, they were two women that would, like, they, they didn't really have characters. Their characters were that they're Australian. They're, like, you know. <laughs> Which is legit. There's nothing else yeah. to them. They're just, they look like almost every other woman on the roster. The only difference is they sound different than everybody else. You know, and they're, like, uh, people are saying, oh, my God, Billy Kay is hilarious. She was so funny. What was that segment she did where she was handing somebody her resume? Oh, God, the resume segment. The, 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 every week for three months on the SmackDown women's undercard was just Billy Kay going, Hi, I'm Billy Kay. I'm Billy, here's my resume. Here it is. Look at it. Look at it. Yeah, I'm Billy Kay. Like, that's legit all it was. And it's like, bruh, I mean, okay, it, it's something. And, like, you mentioned the Iconics there. They overachieved. The Iconics had a better WrestleMania moment than most of the roster has ever had. But when they won the tag titles at WrestleMania 35, it was this big, grand moment. They beat Sasha Banks and Bayley, the boss and hug connection for the titles, six weeks after they became a thing. Like, that moment right there is a bigger career accomplishment than near enough anyone in the wrestling industry's had when you look at it in totality. So, in that regard, was Peyton Royce wasted? Well, no, because she had a bigger moment than near enough most of the rosters had just in totality. And, you know that's very like, true yeah exactly just, uh, i don't know God. i mean bo dallas is dating Liv morgan so i'm not gonna say he's wasted at all like bo dallas is living a better life than 95 99 of men in the world so bo dallas God he's bless been him. collecting he's had the david otunga effect where he's been collecting checks from WWE for several years despite not appearing on tv and literally in as you mentioned there bo dallas for like literally three years hasn't been involved in anything he's been collecting high or you know serviceable six-figure-plus checks from Vince McMahon to do what? <laughs> Date Liv Morgan and start a real estate business. How could life be so horrible for Bo Dallas? Oh, my God. Is he one of the millions who are on unemployment right now? No. He's collecting high six figures to eat Titus Catering, Date Liv Morgan, and do real estate. 
How could life be so cruel, Kevin? <laughs> oh my god, I know. Yeah, no, yeah. Nobody. I'm not gonna say anybody's being misused. I'm not gonna feel bad for anyone that's dating Liv Morgan. So yeah, move on to the next one. Uh, who was the other guy? Tucker, right? Was the other guy that was released? Uh, yeah, he Tucker. He tweeted freedom exclamation mark when he was released. Um, I'll throw this one to you. Do you really care? Tucker Knight's been released. Oh no! Uh, I mean, oh. he's gonna. He'll, I'm sure he'll show up in Ring of Honor in like 90 days, and he'll pop. A, you know, he'll pop a big rating for Ring of Honor's YouTube channel or something. But wait, Ring of Honor have a YouTube channel? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how you watch Ring of Honor. It's not irrelevant. But like, nah, Tucker. <laughs> I remember when they do the heavy machinery thing. They've got that whole Otis Ziggler, the um, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville storyline. And legitimately, Tucker is the fifth wheel. He's just there. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Like, man. Tucker was that guy who, like, Otis would, like, he'd find his birthday cake that he tried to give to Mandy Rose. The birthday cake would be on the ground. <laughs> and it, it, Ziggler would have stomped in it. And then Otis would be, like, there, like, sobbing and, like, crying. And Tucker would just walk on screen and, like, backslap Otis. And that would be the segment. And then later in the year, Tucker was involved in what? I, I remember watching... Tucker vs. Ricochet on some random Raw in November thinking, God, these two are just irrelevant. Like, who cares? Like, and Tucker was wearing the, the prototypical jobber gear, bland trunks, bland boots, bland knee pads, and he's just got his, like, tattoo on his, like, left peck. I'm just like, this guy, where do you, what does Vince McMahon do with this guy? What can you give this guy? So, I'm seeing him release, I'm just like, eh, I can't really say I'm surprised. So, yeah. yeah, the same thing. Like, it's tough. Yeah, he's going to show up at, you know, Joey Janela's garage fed in New Jersey, and he's going to wrestle, you know, somebody, I don't know, some dude from the Indies. I can't even name somebody. And, yeah, that'll be big, I guess, on Twitter. That's nice. Oh, but, Good for but, him. But don't you want to see Tucker versus Joey Ryan at Talking Shopper Mania 4? Like, yeah. Like, great for him. I hope he has success. I wish him success. But if you're asking me, like, am I affected by Tucker being re- released? Do I have ill will towards Vince McMahon and WWE for cutting ties with Tucker? No. But I do hope Tucker succeeds. I hope he goes to Impact, a Ring of Honor, or AEW, and he reinvents himself, and he earns a real good living, you know? Because unfortunately for Tucker, he wasn't, like, he wasn't living the Bo Dallas life, collecting paychecks based on his grandfather and father and brother and dating Liv Morgan. So Tucker doesn't have that kind of luck. So he's someone I could feel for. You know? Yep. And then next one, Kalisto. Um, this is a guy who... He wrestled with Hunico, a.k.a. Sin Cara, for, like, two years as the Lucha Dragons. He was on the main roster. Um, His most recent uh, gimmick was being a Sasha Banks simp. Like, as yep. recent as, like, six weeks ago, he was simping over Sasha <laughs> Sasha Banks and whatever, whatever dress she was wearing. That was an interesting segment. That, that was good. Um, <laughs> legit. I remember, the only thing I remember from Kalisto's career is TLC 2015, him doing a Slater Del Sol to, I forget who exactly it was, one of the New Day guys from the top of the ladder through a ladder. Like, that was nuts. Yes. I'll never forget that. But outside of that, what, what will I remember Kalisto for? Coming out with Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado... And Lars Sullivan beating them in a three-on-one handicap match. That's legit all I'm going to remember from him. He'll probably be remembered mostly for being a guy that looks like Rey Mysterio. Realistically. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, honestly, like, that's... Whenever people see Kalisto, like, I've had people ask me, just like, oh, this Kalisto guy, is that, like, is that Rey Mysterio? Did he change his name or something? (laughs) Yeah. And And then also... Yeah, and then moving on from Kalisto because, you know, there's been a, a latest release, Kevin. This is as of 13 minutes ago. Uh-oh. WWE's come to the release of Mojo Rawley. Oh. Um, 
So, yeah, Rob Gronk's, uh, we'll call him partner, has been released from WWE. Uh, thoughts, please. Hmm. I, I didn't even know he was still signed to WWE. <laughs> That's like... Wow. I didn't even know. I thought he got cut in the last cuts last year. I, I can't remember anything. The only thing I remember Mojo Riley did, I, I don't even know if it was him or if it was Gronk. Was it hit, Was it Riley that shoulder tackled um, Jinder Mahal at WrestleMania 33? Like six weeks before Mahal became champion? I'd, I'd be lying if I said I knew, Kevin. You know, I just... Right, yeah. I think that, like, that's probably his biggest claim to fame was hanging out with Rob Gronkowski at the, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal in WrestleMania 33, uh, I would probably. say. Probably. Like, all I remember from him is legit that empty arena smackdown in, like, March of last year where like, he was, like, interviewed by Michael Cole in the ring to open the show. And he's like, here's my best friend, Rob Gronk. And then Rob Gronk comes out there, like, humping the ring post. So, <laughs> like... That's all I remember from Mojo Rawley. The Hype Bros was just... I don't know. It was, it was you know, Vince throwing together a random pair of guys who he had nothing to do with, and then eventually he's released them both. So, yeah, that's um, Mojo Rawley. I'm sure they're going to have more releases to come in the remainder of the day. Johnny Ace will call these people up on the phone and be like, Hey, kid. Well, we, we, don't, have, we don't have space for you anymore. We've got budget cuts, so uh, you're fired. I'm sure Johnny Ace will make more of those phone calls, but... For now, yeah, we've been through them. The Iconics, Boy well, Dallas. We gotta talk about one thing. We gotta talk about one more thing. Oh no. We have to oh, no. talk about one Velveteen dream. Like we just we have to. For at least like two minutes. The Jesus people Christ. are just irate that Samoa Joe got released, but Velveteen Dream didn't, which I mean that I, I understand their beef. Fair point. You know, Samoa Joe, serviceable wrestler, serviceable commentator, it got released, but Velveteen Dream still has a job with all the allegations against him. We haven't seen him on T V like, why is Velveteen Dream still a member of the of the WWE roster? I, is it is the release coming? Are they doing NXT cuts? I, I don't even know what to make of it. It's just such a, a mess. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Like, I, I wish we had more information on what they're doing with Velveteen Dream because you look at Patrick Clark and you go, okay, this time 11 months ago, all these supposed, supposed like, allegations and stuff leaked for the first time. And that was when, ever since, his career's never been the same. Like, his career will never recover from that. Like, unless... Because this is the thing with Velveteen Dream. Okay, you bring him back as a new gimmick or he's got, like, a mask on. Everyone will still know there's a Velveteen Dream and everyone will still hate him. <laughs> like, you That's can't have Velveteen Dream do a Titus O'Neil and become a, an ambassador for WWE because what message is that going to send? Like, it's going to send a horrible message. You can't do that. Like, like what can you do with the guy? And, like, like, his reputation is forever tarnished. As much as Triple H wants to go on a random NXT conference call after a takeover and be like, oh, yeah, Velveteen Dream, uh, he's innocent, uh, moving on, uh, nothing to see here. Uh. As much as you want to do that, his reputation is just, it's, it's forever tarnished. And the fact that he wasn't released, but Samoa Joe and these guys who I guess you could potentially do something with, maybe, these guys all get cut. And Velveteen Patrick Clark Dream is still there. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's just a weird one, Kevin. I, I don't get it. I just it, don't. Yeah, like. it's wild. It's really, it really is wild to think about that Velveteen Dream is still on the roster. It's crazy, too, because, like, you look at, like, 18 months ago, people were saying, oh, I want to see John Cena versus Velveteen Dream at WrestleMania. I want to see Velveteen Dream win the WWE title at, like, WrestleMania 38, 39. And now, now, literally, we're at a point in his career where it's just like, we're just playing the waiting game, waiting for him to get released, waiting for that future endeavor. And Which, like, that, 
that that's tough because legit, as you say, eighteen months ago, even legitimately like thirteen months ago from when we're recording this now, I was a genuine big fan of the Velveteen Dream. Not being aware of all this crap that's allegedly happened behind the scenes, well, I wasn't aware. I'm looking at Velveteen Dream, and he's a legitimate character wrestler. We don't have many character wrestlers left. This guy, one of the things with him, which I said this when I made my Rise and Fall of Velveteen Dream video, like, way back, the thing with him is that he, much like, I forget the, the exact dude's name, the guy who played the Joker um, in Batman, he, he literally, he lived his gimmick, you know? And, like, you, you just don't see that anymore. Like, Undertaker lived it. I guess MJF kind of lives it. But it takes a, a different kind of person to do that. And Velveteen Dream, Patrick Clark, he legitimately, he lived that gimmick. And I guess that's that's been the downfall of his career to this point. So I don't know where they go from here with Patrick Clark. I, he should be released sometime. Maybe they've silently released him. Oh, we don't know. God knows. But yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, Kevin. It really is. Absolutely. Yeah, let's uh, let's just move on from the releases. Swiftly, swiftly move on. Um, I'll ask you, Kevin, because, I mean, we're going to transition this into like, kind of a, a post-mania type discussion. You went to WrestleMania, you, you, know, you, bit, you went to Tampa for you know, both days. I want you to answer this one first. Do you feel a WrestleMania hangover? Like, is that fair? Big time, yeah. big time. Like, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like watching Raw. I, don't, I didn't feel like watching NXT. It's like, we just watched WrestleMania, we just watched TakeOver. Can we get a freaking break? Do we have to like, turn around the next day and watch three hours of Raw, two hours of TakeOver? You know? But I mean AEW is fine because it's you know, it's AEW. They were they're building up to their next pay per view. It's fine, but just like the WrestleMania hangover is real. It really is. It's so real. I just I felt exhausted. You know, you're like you're exploiting all this energy, all this adrenaline. You're using it, exerting it. It's like, oh, now we got to watch Raw. You know, uh, like uh, legit. Like one thing I want to say. It goes back to this thing, which I mean most of us have echoed for a long time now there's just too much damn wrestling exactly you know like this past week and a half we literally had three hours of raw last like for the go home to mania like the hall of fame was, was two separate hour and a half long shows on tuesday wednesday was legit takeover night one stand and deliver going against AEW dynamite and then the night after that was TakeOver, Sand Delivered Night 2. Then you had WrestleMania SmackDown. You've got WrestleMania 37 Night 1 with a kickoff show. WrestleMania 37 Night 2 with a kickoff show. You've, during that, you've got Impact Hardcore Justice, which apparently some people actually watch. Then on Monday, you've got a Raw After Mania, which was bloody horrible. But nonetheless, that's three more hours. And then you've got two more hours of NXT the next night. And then AEW, which was a, a bit of a different breath of fresh air because it's like a different kind of product. But generally speaking, I didn't want to figure out how many hours that is. Like, that's upwards of nearly 20 hours, probably more than 20 hours of wrestling in a week and, like, literally nine days. That's gross. It's just, the WrestleMania hangover, personally, after Raw aired, like, I went off to do, like, you know, real-life stuff, did some, you know, co-curricular whatnot, you know, all, all that. I get home, I'm just like, I feel exhausted from wrestling. Like, I didn't want to think about wrestling for the next, like, day. You know? and th- Like, that... They've got to change up how they do it. It's too much wrestling and not enough of a break, you know? Exactly. Like, <laughs> like take that how you feel. And imagine you're sitting in the audience cheering for six hours over a combined two mm-hmm. nights. You know, you're sitting there, you're driving, you're getting to the hotel like two in the morning, getting up at 8 a.m. to go do it all again, pal. 
You know, it's like, and then I mean, then take that feeling and just imagine what it's like to be a wrestler. You know, like you, you just imagine, bro. It's like it's like if the NFL at uh, immediately following the Super Bowl, the following Monday you have a Monday Night Football game, and it's like, all right, we're doing the next season right now, right after the Super Bowl. We're just gonna keep playing. We're never gonna stop. Just that people would get sick of the NFL. People would get sick of the NBA. They would get sick of the MLB. They would get sick of soccer. Whatever sport you want to throw out there. Boxing, MMA. It would all be the same The same deal. Well, like, this, this, this is one of the main reasons why wrestling's fallen so far. Because back in the day, you'd have one WWF show. You'd have Raw, which was like a, a genuine all-time great t- like TV show. Not a, a, ra- like a wrestling sports entertainment experiment on the human race show that it is nowadays it was a genuinely great two-hour tv show on monday nights and then you have a nitro show which for the most part after before 19 like 99 was a genuinely like really good tv show and that was it for the week you wouldn't have tuesday wednesday thursday friday there might be a pay-per-view and you might watch hate on like sunday night but that was it and you know like it was really good wrestling and it left you really wanting more with this as I just mentioned, all the different shows, after watching three hours of a Raw, you think, I, I don't want to watch wrestling. And then the, the next night, there's three more hours of a Hall of Fame. Then there's four hours of TakeOver combined, and then another couple of hours of this. And it's just, you mentioned it there. Like, I couldn't imagine doing what you did, let alone being a wrestler and, you know, going through the wear and tear on your body and then having to show up in an, a, a new arena and drive all through the night to show up to, I don't know, some new town and then go to the gym, and then do the media, do the autographs. Like, how John Cena did that for 15 years as the top guy for the company, God bless him, because as a fan, I'm burnt out after watching this stuff hardcore for a week. And this guy did it hardcore for 15 years as the face of the company. Nuts. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and you, and you look at the people, like, the people that really go all out for WrestleMania week, and they come from, like, England or Ireland, and they go to, you know, they go to the, the Hall of Fame ceremony. They go to the SmackDown Before Mania they go to TakeOver. They go to WrestleMania. Then they go to the following Raw. It's like, like imagine that. That kind of a trip. Oh, my God. I couldn't even, like, imagine doing that, bro. Well, legit, like, I watched more wrestling in the past week than I literally had in the previous three months before that. Because, like, I'm not someone who just watches wrestling. I don't get a great... Because, like, I'm more into watching, like, you know, how they play out the storylines, knowing what they do, how they build the characters. That's the kind of stuff I'm into. That's the kind of stuff I find, you know, that's why I find wrestling fun. I don't find wrestling inherently fun to watch matches, which I've I've seen a wrestling match that many times that nothing is really new for me. So I don't really watch the matches. But for this past week, I did because it's WrestleMania week. I feel obliged to because I have a channel and all that kind of stuff. So I went out of my way to consciously watch near enough everything that was put out and i feel stuffed like i like i'm watching raw on monday or tuesday for me like after mania i'm just like this show sucks like this is just boring as hell i don't want to watch this anymore and then of course i post 50 reasons why raw is unwatchable like the next day but just generally speaking it's like it's just it's too much and not enough of it is that great to justify there being that much you know i agree absolutely i mean you have you look at wrestlemania week this week and I get it, special circumstances. You have, like you said, the Hall of Fame Tuesday. You had Monday, Monday Night Raw, Hall of Fame Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, two nights of TakeOver. Friday, SmackDown. Saturday, Sunday, two nights of WrestleMania. And then it's like, rinse, repeat. Monday, Tuesday. Then there's Wednesday and Dynamite. It's like, oh my god, it's a lot of wrestling. It's like, how... 
how people that like enjoy wrestling as a side hobby, I don't think it's possible to do that anymore. I, I don't think that's like a, a, a feasible thing because you can't just like realistically, you can't just tune into like five four hours of WrestleMania and be like, oh, I saw everything that happened in wrestling the whole year. You have to watch a six-hour show across two nights to witness the culmination of the entire wrestling season, quote-unquote. And then if you want to know the build-up for the next pay-per-view or you want to see the fallout, you have to watch three hours on Monday because you're going to get half of the fallout and a bunch of filler. And then you have to watch Friday, two hours on Friday, to get the other half of the fallout of WrestleMania. And then if you're, and then if you're like, oh, what's this NXT show? I want to see what this is all about. Another two hours on Tuesday. It's like I don't think anybody that works like a nine to five job or they work like yeah. you know sixty hours a week overtime, and they have like kids. Like those kind of wrestling fans, it's very hard to be that kind of wrestling fan nowadays. I think that's pretty fair to say. Oh hell yeah! Like legit back in the day, as I just I'm gonna really quickly rush over this analogy again. It would be you work your forty to sixty hour week. You know you're a, some like thirty three year old man. You you hate your boss. You you know you work your tireless job. You don't really have many outside hobbies. You, you see your mates. You have a have a beer every now and then, and then you have WWF Raw as War coming on on Mondays. You think, oh hell yeah, I'm gonna check that out. I get to see Austin beat up his boss. That's like that's the best two hours of my week. Like that's what it was. But now it's like, oh well, we have three hours of dead filler TV Monday, another two hours of bland '70s NWA with better production on Tuesday nights. You've got an AEW show. You've got Impact moving to Thursdays. Smackdowns now on Fridays. So essentially. From Monday, April, was it, 5th, through, like, Friday, like, whatever date is for this Friday, re- there was literally two hours plus of wrestling every night. It's insanity. It's Sam. Just, yeah, it's insane. That's nuts. That's, then, you know, you got people that watch, like, New Japan, and people that watch Impact, and people that watch Ring of Honor. Like, how? How do you do... How do you watch all this stuff? I don't know. How, how do you not feel like you've already... Like, look, this is the thing I find. Well, like... It's not like when you've seen one match, you've seen them all because the amount of like different stories you can tell in matches, the amount of different wrestlers' styles that can meet together. I, I get it, okay? You, you, you know, you, you watch some matches. But do you not feel like if you watch all that wrestling, you're just wasting your time watching the same stuff over and over? Like, how many times can you see a suicide dive before it doesn't become fun anymore? How many times can you see a 450 splash before it's like, eh, who cares? How many times can you see a German be- or belly-to-belly suplex? You know, it's like... This is the thing I question about people who watch the oh, i watch six hours of wrestling per day like go outside you know like let's dial back that talk for a second so sorry pal i had to i had to shoot the truth pal but no nonetheless, nonetheless. Uh-oh, um uh-oh. what <laughs> am i doing anything wrong i don't even know um nonetheless I, we, the next question we have I, we've literally answered this in the last 10 minutes but i'll just ask this to you is wrestlemania week too much wrestling. Can yes. they dial back? If so, how can they dial yes. back that kind of thing? Yes. Yes to everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 Like, it's just, it's, it's crazy now. You think about, like what I said earlier, you think you have to, to find out the fallout to WrestleMania, you literally have to watch five hours of television. It's, it's insane. If that, you can, you can watch Raw Talk, Talking Smack, exclusive clips on the YouTube channel, Twitter clips, NXT's two hours, like, you can legit catch up like, 10 hours of content in the next five days to see the WrestleMania fallout. And it used to be a two-hour-long Raw, like, Raw is War the next night. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> and then you would get, you know, you get the, the recap show on Thursday, which would be SmackDown. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, pal. Just bruh. Like, so- something's got to change with this. Like, it's just... I don't know. It... it I don't, Kevin, I don't even know. Like, what, what can they do at this point? Like, make WrestleMania a one-night, four-hour show. That's a, bi- that's a big one they can do to make it feel infinitely more special. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, there, there'll be a point in time where WWE is on Peacock exclusively because, you know, um, standard cable and satellite TV isn't a thing anymore, so there's no USA Network. So we're going to have, you know, SmackDown on Peacock for three hours on Friday. And Ugh. then we're going to have Raw for four hours. Probably, hell, they'll make, yeah, they'll make it a four-hour show on Mondays. I don't know. Well, I remember now. Um, I remember now. W in five years time video. You you said like yeah, and give it five years, and there'll be a, a women's exclusive W show on Tuesday afternoons on Peacock, and Stephanie McMahon will be like the GM, and like they're gonna have all these just random shows, and it's just too much. Like, wh- why do we need to see a, a two to four hour long show every second night, or even in the last two weeks case every night? Why? Most of these most of these matches on these shows don't need to be happening. Give us stuff we need to see, but instead, it's the opposite. Now, with this Peacock stuff, it's... Here's any content you can. Here's any bit of content to justify your four ninety nine for Peacock. It's like, no, just, just stop. Please, slow down. Facts. <laughs> yeah, it's like the pay-per-views. You look at the pay-per-views, you don't have to watch Raw. You don't have to watch SmackDown. You'll be good to go. You just you just tune into a pay-per-view, and they'll recap the whole... Like, everything that you missed from Raw and SmackDown, they'll recap it during, throughout the pay-per-view. No matter what pay-per-view it is, whether it's Fastlane, TLC, you know, Hell in a Cell, all you have to do is tune into that, and you will, they will gladly catch you up. Michael Cole will walk you through every single thing that happened leading up to Randy Orton versus The Fiend, and you'll, you will not have had to see an episode of Raw from the past five or six months. Yeah, you might watch a full three-hour Raw episode filled with Mandy Rose versus Shayna Baszler, filled with Tom Phillips recapping you as to what Riddle said to Sheamus backstage on his scooter. You won't have to watch that crap. You don't have to watch an, like an hour of commercials every Monday night. You don't have to say that. You can watch a three-minute video package on the, the network special. They don't, they don't even pay views anymore. You can watch a three-minute little clip, and if you're that infatuated by what you've seen, you can go and catch up with all the segments on YouTube, if you so please. You know, but nonetheless, nonetheless, I think we've covered this about as good as we can. Just There's too much wrestling. Point blank, period. Yep, exactly. That's a video idea, pal. Too much wrestling. Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah, moving on. I think now we'll we'll uh, we'll uh, switch gears and uh, look forward to the next couple months of WWE. Um, one of the things I always do at this time of year is do a superstar shakeup, or like a well, not really a draft, but like a superstar shakeup where they move some wrestlers around. Um, considering where the rosters are at, I, I think they need to do it. Um, but that's just me. Like, what do you think? Should there be a superstar shakeup? If so, is there any one you really want to say change brands? That kind of thing. Just hit us with something, Kevin. They just did one, right? Back in, like, October of last year? September? They did a draft. Like they did a draft, yeah. Yeah, then we get, um, oh, the shake-up, pal. So we'll have, you know, they'll probably move, like, McIntyre maybe to SmackDown. But if you do that, you yeah. move, you take you take Raw's biggest star, you put him on SmackDown. Who do you put on Raw? Yeah. You, you know? <laughs> do you put Seth Rollins God back damn. on Raw? Like, what are you going to do? We're going to have the Messiah running wild on Raw? You know, losing to Bobby Lashley every week. Like, uh. what, what are we going to do with the superstar shakeup? I don't think it's. I mean, yeah, I agree. It, I think it does need to happen because we need like fresh faces. You know, we we'll get Sasha Banks on Raw with with red hair. That'll be you know that's what we need, pal. We need Sasha Banks with red hair. Um, I don't know. I feel like the roster is especially SmackDown. The way SmackDown is constructed, I feel like it's fine. 
you know? Because realistically, what are you going to do with Smack with the, with the Superstar Shakeup? You get we're going to go back to right where we were. What ten months ago? We're going to have the Fiend on SmackDown. If we switch it up, put the Fiend on SmackDown. AJ Styles on SmackDown. You take Rollins. You take Sasha Banks. You throw them back on Raw. Move Charlotte over to SmackDown. Becky Lynch returns hypothetically. Put her on Raw or put her on SmackDown. We're going to be in the same boat, basically, right? Well, Kevin, what company do you think this is? This is WWE. Their motto is, if it's not broken, break it. You know? (laughs) SmackDown's roster isn't broken. Break it. So what they're probably going to do is, God knows. Like, the the, the smart bosses have talked about this for years. But it's this whole thing. Like, no one outside of Reigns, and you could say Sasha Banks, no one really has brand identity anymore. Like, like Reigns is, like, the last guy. It's like a Batista on SmackDown in, like, the mid-2000s. Like, when you think Reigns, you think SmackDown. You think SmackDown, you think Reigns, you know? Absolutely. And besides him, like, like when you think Kevin Owens, like, is he on Raw or SmackDown? I have to, like, take a moment to actually try and think and remember. Like, Kevin Owens hardly bleeds blue like Roman Reigns does. Like, it's just, you can switch the guys back and forth. It's not really going to change a thing. It's like, oh, Kevin Owens is on SmackDown. Kevin Owens is on Raw. Brilliant. Wow. That, that doesn't make me want to watch Raw or SmackDown any less. I just don't care. You know, it's, it's the same thing with most of the roster. So if they do the shake-up, I feel like McIntyre to SmackDown is imminent. I, I don't know who they're going to bring to Raw. Probably, God knows, Daniel Bryan and Owens, maybe. But will that make you want to watch Raw anymore? Well, not really. But at the same time, can anything make you want to watch Raw? Like, even if you move Reigns to Raw, ratings go up 100,000 viewers. But there's still two hours and 30 minutes of awful dead TV, regardless of if Reigns is there or not. So can Raw be saved? Will Raw be getting 1.3s in the ratings come December? Well, yeah. So is there a point even with Raw? Just move McIntyre to SmackDown. Load SmackDown with all everything you've got. Have SmackDown get like 2.5 million viewers every week. And then Raw can get like less than AEW and no one will care. You know, yes. you might as, well go, might as well go down that route because nothing's going to save Raw at this point. When it's three hours, you can't save Raw. Bad Bunny couldn't make the ratings spike through the roof. And if he's the biggest, you know, most famous celebrity artist in the world, like right now, numbers-wise, and he can't make, you know, ratings shoot up to two million, what can? And the answer is nothing. So maybe that's what they do, Kevin. Maybe you get McIntyre. Maybe you get, God knows who else, The Fiend. You get them onto SmackDown. And you just make SmackDown just such a must-see show. And Raw can just die and you know, rot away, and USA Network can just end their deal, and Raw can move to Peacock exclusive. I don't know. That's an option, I guess. Yeah, just, just make Raw Peacock exclusive, put all the women on there, do the tag teams. There you go, pal. Have Raw be like the, the, the agenda show, where you put the female empowerment, you put the, you know, you put your celebrities that want to come on, you, you do all that kind of stuff. Like, you, you put your cruiserweight division with all the NXT guys, like, have it be the agenda show, which is nestled away on Peacock. SmackDown has Reigns, McIntyre, Edge, Fiend, Sasha, Belair, you name them, etc. Becky, that kind of thing. SmackDown is like the, the Raw is War of 1998, and Raw can just die in a pit. Because Raw sucks, Kevin. Raw is horrible. Like, horrible. Yeah, just but. cancel. Like, WWE, if you're listening to this, just cancel Raw, <coughs> pal. All we need is SmackDown and NXT, and we're good to go. All I need is SmackDown. That's the only two hours of wrestling I need to watch a week. You know, I don't need to watch Raw. Just for what? What do we watch Raw for? Anyway, like, nobody watches Raw nowadays, bro. And it's evident in the in the numbers. Well, look what they closed the show with this past week. The Raw after WrestleMania. 
I dare say the Raw after Mania this year was somehow worse than the one from last year. The yeah, one where we had an empty arena show where Apollo Crews had a 28-minute match with Alistair Black, <laughs> where Apollo Crews had literally a broken leg. They're, they're, they're telling the story of Crews' horrible leg injury for 20 minutes, and then he has his comeback, and he starts doing shooting star presses and flips, and I'm just like, this is some of the worst psychology I've ever seen. But of course, everyone when I tweeted about it said it was a banger, it was a classic. Yes, you know, sir. That's just the wrestling community, pal. And that, that was such a great show, Kevin. And like, such great matches, like Cedric Alexander and Ricochet versus Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink. An hour-long segment with Andrade, Angel Garza, and Bianca, or, and who was it? And Selena Vega against Belair and the Street Profits in an hour-long segment. I'm surprised you McEntire, remember that. <laughs> McIntyre versus Big Show for the WWE Championship in the main event of WrestleMania being shown the night after, where Big Show came within a millisecond of winning the title. That show was somehow better than this week's, Kevin, because this last week's Raw After Mania, literally, the ending to the show was Drew McIntyre winning a triple threat match randomly that he probably shouldn't have been in because he lost the night before, and he wins, and then MVP walks out there with a cane, and then Mace and T-Bag attack McIntyre. Wow. <laughs> Ratings, pal. T-Bag. Oh, Yes. I'm tuning into Raw next week to see T-Bag. Like, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna end the Raw after Mania with Dio Madden and Dominic Dijakovic attacking Drew McIntyre, just literally put a banner on the screen saying, "Hi, WWE fan. We know that you want to watch Raw, and we know that you have a passion for wrestling. But here at the USA Network and WWE, we don't care. So here's a bunch of filler and a bunch of dead, boring TV." Enjoy that and please just keep watching us because we don't care. So keep giving us ratings because at the end of the day, Friday night's the A show, Wednesday or Tuesdays is the developmental show ran by Papa H, and this Monday show is a stack of worthless filth. But you might as well just say that at this point, Kevin, because my God, Monday Night Raw is the drizzling you know what. It's just garbage. Like. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, I'm just going to let you keep going, bro. Go ahead. Vent. Vent all you, all you need, sir. Raw sucks, my guy. Legit, they somehow made the empty arena pandemic shows, which I thought were the worst wrestling shows we'll ever see last year. They've made them look good. They've made Cruz vs. Black in a 28-minute match <laughs> the night after Alistair Black just beat Bobby Lashley in six minutes at WrestleMania. <sighs> they've somehow made that, which was horrific, look good. I don't know how they do it. How does Raw keep getting worse? How is this past week's episode of Raw... Like, <laughs> they take... You take Bad Bunny and Damian Priest, this segment which everyone was infatuated with, had a great WrestleMania match moment. You got the privilege to see it live. The next night, we get the dirt sheet where you've got Maurice and Miz in the ring doing like, like flirting with each other, basically. You're watching clips of Miz and Misses on the Titantron. John Morrison's in the ring looking like a failed TikTok star, being like, oh, I, I agree, Miz. You're right. And then Priest comes out there, and within five minutes, we get the Miz literally nude, and then Maurice is, like, trying to cover him, but she's just not. And then Miz, before they cut away to the Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler backstage segment, we get Miz falling over in his underwear, and Maurice trips, and this is the book of Raw after Mania. This, this makes Big Show coming in the second of winning the WWE title from McIntyre in the main event of WrestleMania a year prior. This makes that look good. I don't know how. This makes Big Show coming out there to promote the Big Show show on the USA Network at 10.55pm. This makes that look good. Having The Miz in his underwear falling over as John Morrison's there with one of the worst like 80s haircuts I've ever seen and his Johnny Drip Drip attire. 
uh, Kevin, how is Raw so bad? Why is Raw legitimately five segments of Nia Jax slipping over? Oh, because Mandy slipped. Therefore, we're going to get Nia Jax to fall over. Why? And also, I learned today, because someone, I think VWE tweeted me this, apparently Nia Jax is Australian because she was born in Sydney. Okay, thanks for telling me that. I didn't need to know. But nonetheless, Nia Jax tripping over, over and over again, in some of the worst acting I've ever seen, apparently this is trying to justify 1.8 million people watching the show. This show deserves to have worse ratings than NXT. Monday Night Raw is the punching bag of pro wrestling. It is terrible. Uh, the fact that people still watch this, I don't know how. I'm done with it. Most normal people are suddenly done with it. Yeah, there's oh my rant. Oh, God. There you go. Uh, can I ask you a question now to a follow-up question to this? Oh, so, God, spam me. What, <laughs> what I want to know is, do you think Raw would still be this bad had there been no pandemic? Like, let's just throw the pandemic out the window. Yes, it would be just as bad. It would be just as bad. I don't want to hear this crap that, oh, well, it was just the pandemic, man. It's like Raw was good in January of last year when Paul Heyman was heavily involved. And then with Bruce Pritchard, I mean, Bruce Pritchard, do you remember those SmackDowns we got at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020? When we had dog food with Roman Reigns, we had the best part of the show was Otis backstage being like, oh yeah, Mandy, oh yeah. And that was the best part of a a two-hour show. And we got Nakamura being beaten by Braun Strowman every week. Those shows is literally what we would have had for Raw. Raw wouldn't have changed, Kevin. Raw would have been the exact same. Like we saw in 2018, Raw was god awful. 2019, you can't remember a thing from Raw. 2020, pandemic or not, it was bad. This year, with Peacock, it's getting worse. We're getting Matt Riddle with birds coming out of his rectum. We're getting The Miz in his, literally The Miz naked falling onto Maurice and not in an edge and leader way, in a corny (laughs) G-rated Peacock way. No pun intended. Just what are they doing with this show? How did it get this bad? I don't know, but... I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, the fact that we have on the Raw After Mania on live TV, we have Mar- Maurice backing her bottom into Miz with no pants on, try- trying to cover him up. Like, what? <laughs> what? What kind of content is that? Who? I, I-, I want to hear. I just would love to be a fly on the wall when a 35 year old writer comes back with Starbucks for a Triple H and Vince and Stephanie. And he sits down next to these guys and girls, and he's like, you know, Triple H, this is what we're going to do with The Miz today. Hold on. <laughs> Legit, like, I, like, you take that. Like, you, you can just picture backstage the Raw writers producing these shows. Well, I, I wish I could. I genuinely think a soap opera featuring the WWE creative team would be better than anything we've seen on Raw in the past six months. Like, can you picture that? Can you picture, like, Days of Our Lives featuring Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard? And you got Vince McMahon being like, Oh, damn it. What have we got for Monday Night Raw, pal? Then you've got some, some writers being like, Ah, oh, Vince, I think we should do a, uh, a dirt sheet. Oh, yeah. We've done that for the last 18 million weeks in a row, pal. <laughs> yes. Ratings. And then we get some writer being like, Well, um, I think we should do uh, 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 a 2-on-1 handicap match where... Uh, hey, hey, hop, hop, defeat Damien Priest. Um, and then The Miz is literally nude for some reason. And then we get, um, and then we get Maurice tripping over and Miz falling back first onto the Raw stage. I think that'd be a great way to do the Raw after Mania. Th- that's definitely not a bad idea. And Vince is like, oh, damn it, Bruce, I'll book that right now, pal. 
Look at one. Let me go look at my shares, pal. Let me go look at my bank account. Oh yeah, ten figures in my bank account. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like that's, at this point, that's probably how Vince is like. Just keep going. I got my dog is barking again. I'll be back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Even Kevin's dog hates Raw. That's how bad this show. Raw is so bad. That's making Kevin's dog have a panic attack. Legit. Monday Night Raw needs to be taken off television. I, I'm I'm done after watching that Raw after Mania. I'm watching this show thinking, this is this is the April twelfth, I think, episode of Raw. This is supposed to be the episode of Raw. That's the cataclysmic Raw after Mania show that for years and years in the 2010s was like the end all be all. Everything culminates Raw after Mania. But what do we get now? What do we get in 2021? We get a Raw after Mania that was so bad that it made 2020s piss break abomination seem like WrestleMania 17. That's how dead this show was. And I'm watching this thinking, what in this show is going to bring back viewers? What part of Mace and T-Bag beating up Drew McIntyre to close the show, what part of that is going to bring back viewers? What, what, do you think by captivating the crowd of 2,000 people on Twitter who hate Dominic Dijakovic, you think that's going to make raw ratings go up? You think Miz backing into Maurice and then tripping over it when he's nude is going to bring in ratings? You think Nia Jax slipping over the rope four different times and falling on the apron is going to bring in ratings? You think three different backstage segments with Riddle having birds coming out of his rectum is going to bring back ratings? <laughs> You're like, how is this show so bad? I, I don't get it. I'm watching this Raw after Mania and I can't believe what I'm watching. I'm like, this used to be Raw is War. This used to be a Vince Russo, Ed Ferrara written show. Which it was written to keep you sticking around. Now it's it's like a crime against the human race. How is anyone supposed to be entertained by such crap? I don't get it. I don't know. Oh, just, just imagine it. Just imagine it. Like eight years when Raw is in its second year on Peacock exclusively, and we have a forty-nine-year-old Miz <laughs> with with a forty-nine-year-old Maurice, and you know Maurice is still going to be beautiful, but she's still not enough to make people want to watch the Miz. And we got a forty-nine-year-old Miz, a forty-nine-year-old John Morrison, and they're just like they're pointing and laughing at our truth as our truth is running around with a twenty-four-seven championship with Muppets at like fifty-six years old. Just, just imagine that. It's just oh, wait, wait, where are we going to go? Can it get worse? I don't think I don't think and it give can. Give it three years, and I'd literally probably be doing dirt sheet segments featuring Peter Rosenberg. And Peter Rosenberg will be talking about how he's a proud four-time twenty-four-seven champion. And this is like the main event of Raw. And then in the previous segments, we would have had Matt Riddle in some Amazonian universe <laughs> flying on some you know bird, and Bruce Pritchard will be like, it'll be like some CGI bird, and Riddle will be like in twenty twenty-four flying this bird across a rainforest, and this will be Monday Night Raw. And then Riddle will finish flying his bird and he'll rock up to some <coughs> random jungle. And then Luchasaurus will be there because he's moved across from AW. Oh and we'll get Riddle versus Luchasaurus in some post. I don't know. I don't know. We'll get, we'll get Matt Riddle getting high in the locker room, going like going to, to a donut shop and just eating a, a box of donuts. That, that's going to be a segment in 2023. Hell, it might even be a segment next week if, if somebody at WWE listens to this podcast. You know, just imagine next week we're going to get Matt Riddle high going to Dunkin' Donuts. Just like, you know, he's like going up to random people to drive through. Just be like, hey, bro, I got some bro nuts. And it's nah. like, you know. No, nah, people- Kevin, Kevin, no. Nah, nah. What they're going to do, they're going to do a segment. Uh, watch this. They're going to do a segment in the next couple of weeks on Raw where they're, they're going to incorporate those birds Matt Riddle has. They're going to incorporate that into like a storyline and an angle 
to where Seamus or whoever Riddle's feuding with, I don't even know or care at this point, someone's like, hey, you know, hey Riddle, you're, you're obsessed with birds, ha. Huh. And then Riddle will be backstage in like the Twilight Zone being like, I like birds, bro. And then they'll cut to some hallucination of Riddle flying some bird across the Amazonian rainforest as he's like, he's dropping bro nuts out onto the, the WWA universe. Like, this is this is raw. This is the flagship program. This is the show which Vince Russo made the, the best show on television for two years. This is raw. Ugh. And now it, it's a three-hour abomination, which is literally one of the worst pieces of television you'll see. Like, I'd rather watch six straight hours of TV shopping network commercials with old women plugging vacuum cleaners than watch this crap. Look how bad this is. I'd rather watch... Anything. I rather watch 15 year old reruns of dead daytime soap opera TV than watch three hours of Matt Riddle flying birds across a rainforest <laughs> and kicking his flip flops into the 17th row of the Thunderdome. John, get out of here. I, I mean, yeah, Raw is so bad that my dog has heat with Raw. You know, so it's like. Kevin's dog hates Raw. That's how bad this is. <laughs> Kevin's dog. Even Kevin's dog finds The Miz literally nude, falling over bad. Like, Yes, uh, all my homies hate The Miz, including my dog. <laughs> I, I hate Raw, Kevin. I hate it. Oh, yeah, well, it's, oh, it's the worst yeah. wrestling show I've ever seen, but yeah. Anyway, I think I think we're good to close the lead heat now. I think we've had enough of an uh, entertaining show. We've covered the ratings, and then we've ended with literally a 15-minute full burial of Raw again. So, wow. yeah, any closing words? Oh my god! I just I can't wait to see Matt Riddle passing out bronus <laughs> once live fans return. I, I Literally, can't wait. they can do CGI segments of Riddle flying these like <laughs> these animated birds over like <laughs> over some town, and then it's gonna be like, "Hey, bro, I'm so high up, bro," and he'll be like flying these birds, and he'll be like, "Oh, I'm gonna enjoy a bronut while I'm all all the way up here, bro." <laughs> like that's you can picture some sixty year old man, some sixty year old white guy in a suit who's been doing creative writing for the last five years as some just like, you know, midlife crisis course that have been doing creative writing for like five years and this is what they're doing. They're giving Bruce Pritchard these scripts of Matt Riddle high as a kite, flying a kite over the Thunderdome. Well, literally, they can do a segment where Matt Riddle's flying a bird over the Thunderdome. He's like, hey, bro, it's Tropicana Field, bro. <laughs> I like Tropicana Field, bro. I like tropical food, bro. Like... <laughs> You know, no, you know what I, I, you know what I can see happening too. They're, they're, gonna, they're gonna do this segment where Matt Riddle goes up to Ricochet in the locker room, and he's got a bird on his shoulder. The, uh, a, he's gonna have like a talking parakeet, and he's gonna tap the bird, go up, go up to Ricochet, and be like, "What's up, bro?" And, and squawk at Ricochet. Oh my god! And they're gonna do the whole they're gonna do like G-rated <laughs> comedy where like you see a, a camera shot from Riddle's perspective, and Ricochet's got a bird on his shoulder, but Ricochet doesn't really have a bird on his shoulder. So Riddle will be talking to this bird, and Ricochet is doing his like. <laughs> Horrible acting, being like, I don't know who you're talking to. There's no bird there. And then this will be this will be getting 1.4 million viewers. Ratings will be at an all-time low. AEW will be beating Raw in ratings because Raw's main storyline for the night will be Matt Riddle confronting the bird that's on Ricochet's shoulder, but it's not on Ricochet's shoulder. <laughs> and the thing is, I wish we were joking. I wish this was something which WWE wouldn't do. If you've watched the last three Raws, this is the direction Raw's going. I can't this wait. This is where Raw's going to be in two, six, eight months down the line. This I, is what I, Raw's going to be. I so. can't wait for Matt Riddle to be walking around with a parakeet on his shoulder, going up and talking to people and making the bird talk. I, it's going to be so bad. Like, we're going to have Edge. Edge is going to be in the back like, oh, hey, I got to take a picture of Matt Riddle his bird, eh? 
You know, just like you did to Corbin. And I'm just going to be watching this like, oh, this is Edge. Like, this is one of the greatest of all time. This is the Radio R Superstar. He's petting a bird that's sitting on Matt Riddle's shoulder. That This is that where segment, we've devolved. That segment is going to be so bad that, you know, Edge petting Riddle's bird, <laughs> but not really a bird. That's going to be so bad that it's going to make, when Edge took pictures of Baron Corbin backstage on SmackDown, it's so bad that it's going to make that Edge and Corbin segment look like Austin and the beer truck in 1999. That's how bad that Riddle segment's going to be. Like, Kevin, Monday Night Raw is the bane of my existence. Monday Night Raw is everything wrong with professional wrestling. Monday Night Raw, it needs to be, something needs to be done. Just either give up on it altogether and put all your eggs in the SmackDown basket, either have a complete overhaul and make it so far-fledged Disney that you literally have Matt Riddle on a bird high as a kite <laughs> flying over an Amazonian rainforest <laughs> dropping bro nuts. Do something. Don't do what you're still doing at the moment. Having Miz falling over when he's nude is not good TV. Oh that's, not, that's not a way that's going to plug Miz and Mrs. No one watched that and thought, oh, damn, I'm going to stay up to 11.30 tonight watching Miz and Mrs. That's going to be great use of my time. I can't see Miz give Maurice a birthday cake and it explodes. <laughs> Get oh, out of here. That's so funny. Garbage. Yeah, you're talking about Miz and Mrs. Like, oh, jeez, <coughs> bro. We're going to have Matt Riddle on Miz and Mrs. He's going to show up to... Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> He's going to show up to Miz, to Miz and Maurice's house that, you know, Maurice's mother and the Miz's parents both live in. And, you know, um, the Miz's mother-in-law is going to answer the door. It's going to be Matt Riddle standing there with a giant parakeet on his shoulder. Oh, God forbid. Have we done a feud with Riddle, Miz, and Morrison yet? <laughs> Nope. Oh, no, they're going to do that, aren't they? Oh, no. And we're going to get every week, we're going to get Miz and Morrison doing some of the worst G-rated humor, being like, well, I don't think Riddle can hear us, bro. He's a bit he's a bit too high for us, isn't he, Miz? <laughs> hey, hey, hop, hop. <laughs> they're going to have... Uh, this is... They're going to legit do a Riddle, Miz, and Morrison storyline, aren't they, Kevin? Yes. Oh. Yes, I'm telling you. There's going to be season four of Miz and Mrs. Matt Riddle's going to show up... The Miz's mother-in-law is going to answer the door, and it's going to be Matt Riddle standing there with a parakeet on his shoulder. He's going to be like, hey, hey, Mrs. Maurice, what do you think of my bird, bro? Uh, uh, I don't know who you are. I don't see a bird there. Well, bro, my bird's name's, my name's, my, my name's Bird's Matt, bro. Huh? What'd you say, Riddle? He's going to uh, have my a My name's bird. Bird's Matt, bro. He's going to have I'm a real Riddle, bird. the Bird's Matt. He's gonna have oh. a real bird. Watch, I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you, they're gonna have him show up with a real bird. It ha- it's gonna happen in two or three weeks. He's gonna have an actual bird. He's gonna walk up to Ricochet in the locker room, and Ricochet is gonna get freaked out by this real talking parakeet. And it's gonna happen. In the ne- guaranteed, it happens within the next six weeks. So they're gonna do some guaranteed. segment where Riddle's like Riddle's running around backstage. He's like riding his scooter, and his scooter like trips on something, and Riddle goes like falling. He's like, "Yo, bro." What was that, bro? And the camera pans, and it's like Eric Rowan's spider from, like, 2020. And then these people <laughs> on Twitter will be like, Oh my god, long-term storytelling. That spider's such long-term storytelling, Kevin. And then it'll be like, oh, wow, they used the prop from a year ago. WWE is amazing, aren't they? Oh, god, Kevin. <laughs> this is the worst television program ever. I'm adamant. There's nothing worse. I- as I said, I'd rather watch seven straight hours of TV shopping network featuring them plugging some exercise piece of equipment which helps your core get abs. I'd rather watch that than watch Matt Riddle with Bro Nuts with The Miz and John Morrison. It just... I hate Raw. 
let's end the podcast i'm done i'm done done. (laughs) all right so we are going to talk to you guys next week we have a bio we're probably going to be doing the demo god le champion a little bit of the bubbly chris jericho i wanted to do an iconic wrestler so yeah chris jericho is probably going to be the guy if anything changes we will update you all so we'll talk to you next week